Hi, I'm Carrie Glassman, founder of Nutritious Life and the Nutritious Life Studio and the host of this podcast, Living a Nutritious Life. Are you the friend who's always being asked for health advice? Now imagine turning that passion into a fulfilling career with our Become a Nutrition Coach program. Step into a world where your enthusiasm for wellness becomes the heart of your own thriving business. With me as your professor and guide and coach on our user-friendly digital platform, you can learn from anywhere at your very own pace. It's perfect for your busy life. Envision empowering others to live their healthiest lives all while growing a career you love. You're not just gaining a certification here, you're joining a community of like-minded professionals ready to support and celebrate with you every step of the way. So what are you waiting for? It's time to nourish your future and help change lives, including your own. Head over to nutritiouslife.com forward slash BNC for a free class and a sneak peek of the program. Your journey to becoming a nutrition coach begins now. So who knows the difference between a somatic sexologist and a sex therapist? Well, you're going to find out today. Welcome to Living a Nutritious Life. I'm your host, Carrie Glassman. Today, we have a very special guest joining us, somatic sexologist, Jaya. In this convo, we chat about the intimate world of sexual pleasure and the connection to overall being. Jaya is an award-winning somatic sexologist, author of Your Erotic Blueprint for Pleasure, and founder creator of the Erotic Blueprint Breakthrough. She's also the star of Netflix's Sex, Love, and Goop. She works with all kinds of bodies and sexual orientations, and through observation and clinical research, she discovered the Erotic Blueprint, a map of arousal that reveals one specific erotic language and patterning and helps create a path forward to greater sexual fulfillment. Jaya aims to shift the cultural view of sexuality as shameful to healthy and worthy of cultivation and celebration. In this episode, we talk about the erotic blueprints and in sync with our love more pillar of nutritious life and Valentine's Day this week, we explore how meaningful connections and the physiological effects of oxytocin or the O vitamin, as Jaya likes to call it, plays a crucial role both inside and outside the bedroom. This hormone's beneficial impact on your immune system, mood, and even longevity underscores the significance of sexual health in our lives. So... Let's talk some somatic sex and get ready to be enlightened, empowered, and maybe even a little flushed as we dive into this episode with the wonderful Jaya. And as always, please rate, review, and share if you love this podcast. Welcome, Jaya. I'm so honored to have you on the podcast this week. Thanks so much for being here. It's always such a pleasure to have this conversation. So thank you so much for having this conversation. And especially this is the perfect week to be having this conversation. Love is in the air and connection is in the air and just people thinking about love, good, bad, in between, <laughs> whatever you're thinking about <laughs> love these days. We are, it is, it is on people's minds. So I w- am really excited to have this conversation with you. And like I said, especially right now. So let's just dive into things here. Tell us, Jaya, what is a somatic sexologist? 
Okay. And how, did didn't you become get... a somatic... and how did you become a somatic sexologist? If you didn't get the memo, we're talking about sex today. So <laughs> <laughs> love and sex and all those things. Um, so a somatic sexologist is someone who isn't just about like a sex therapist. If you go to see a sex therapist, they're going to talk to you about maybe the psyche emotional aspects and and really focus on the emotional and the psyche. Whereas a somatic sexologist is focused on the body. Soma, somatic means yep. of the body and body-based. So when I work with people, I'm looking at what's actually happening. Like what's mm -hmm. happening in the pelvic floor? What's happening with your body mm -hmm. during sex? As well as I really take a holistic model, you know, what's happening with the emotions, what's also happening with your history and, and what's happening with your biochemistry, you know, your hormones, things like that. So I'm looking at a whole picture as a somatic sexologist, sure. but with a lot of focus on what is the body telling us. I truly believe that the body never lies. And so to answer the second part, how did I get involved in this? You know, when I was a really little kid, I wanted to be Dr. Ruth when I grew up and she's still alive to this day. So there must be something to do. You know, I think she's like almost 90 or in her nineties and there's yeah. something. And by to... the way, and she's looking great too. <laughs> right. Let's add that part. She's also looking great. I saw her on something recently and at least when I saw her, she was looking fabulous. And she's a fireball and full yes. of energy. And so yes. I think that there, people always ask me like, well, how does your skin so great? And how do you look so radiant? And I'm like, there's a secret to this this thing of being orgasmic and it helps with our longevity. So, you know, Dr. Ruth inspired me when I was young and I said, that's what I want to be when I grow up. Plus I also saw there was so much shame and such, I think that this is a place where there's so much healing we can do on the planet. And I thought if I'm going to go into awakening humanity or elevating consciousness in any realm I want to go into the realm of sexuality because I think it can make such a huge impact on our lives and on our relationships. Well, it's so fascinating that you just said that, you know, when you were a little kid, you wanted to be Dr. Ruth. I mean, how many kids say themselves, <laughs> I want to be Dr. Ruth when I grow up. Right. Like, it's not right? the most common thing to say. <laughs> However, you just nailed it though. When you said there's so much shame around it, I'm sure there's a lot of kids out there that think to themselves, I'd love to be Dr. Ruth when I grow up, but they're probably to a shame to right. say it. Like right. you didn't feel that shame. You felt, I'm putting it out. I don't know. Did you put it out there at the time? When at the at first I was like, why sex? You know, why not? Right. Like maybe I'll be a doctor, you know, something right. more respectable. And I even remember like I would go, I wanted, I said, I wanted to be a doctor or a fertility specialist. Okay. And so like, I got to spend time at the well, hospital. That has to do with what's going on down there. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> I can say that out loud. <laughs> so I did basket for a while. Cause I I grew up a Catholic girl, you know, okay. I don't think you can escape some sexual shame without that. But, you know, okay. by the time I was like 18, I was pretty, I was like, I was already working in the field of sexuality. Good for you. But I, again, I love that. Not only did you feel that way, Hey, I want to be like Dr. Ruth, but you felt comfortable enough to put it out there, which is a huge part of that. Like I said, there probably are a lot of people out there that think that too. So right. I love that that's part of it too, like taking away the shame from all of this, um, which is really, really a, a great part of what you're doing. I love that. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So, all right. So now we, we know what a somatic sexologist is. We know how, you know, 
kind of how you got into it, I guess. Um, it was always sort of in you, I guess, right? Yeah. That this was so, just I mean, I was either going to be an opera singer and on Broadway, or <laughs> I was going to be a sexologist. And I got a vocal cord injury in college. And so sexologist it was. <laughs> well, thank God for all mankind out there enjoying <laughs> sex this week that you just, that you had an injury to your vocal cord. All the people that have benefited from your powers that you had that injury. I'm sure people are very, very happy about that. It's interesting though, how you end up taking one path, right? Just right. Because of what, what something happens and you end up going down this road or that road. So it's always, I, that's why I always love, you know, hearing how did someone get into something? Like, was it something, did something inspire you? Was there, you know, sometimes there is like this big event that occurs that sends you on a certain path or something happened mm -hmm. in your family or, so I love asking people like how they, especially, you know, people that are really passionate about what they do. It's always interesting to hear, you know, where did this come from? So, mm -hmm. um, okay. So tell us a little bit about the erotic blueprint. I know that that's this arousal map that you've coined, that you coined the term erotic blueprint, correct? Well, actually, it was first used by Esther Perel, for anybody who knows okay. Esther Perel. She talks about your erotic blueprint in her book, Mating in Captivity. Okay. And the way she maps it is, tell me how you were loved, show me how you were loved, and I'll show you how you make love. Okay. as an erotic blueprint. And then the erotic blueprint types, which came out of my somatic sexology practice, really okay. came from me paying attention to how the body is responding and how the body is getting aroused. So then I was able, I'm obsessed with personality typing. So like Myers-Briggs and the yep. Enneagram and disc profiles and, I, and I astrology. Too. Yep, yep. All that, that stuff. And so to know myself more, know my partner more, I was like, well, the, there's not a Myers-Briggs for sex. How do we, you know, how, okay. how do we map ourselves out? And I thought, well, what better than an erotic blueprint? And I started paying attention to all of my clients and everybody who was coming to me. My own partner was, it was a lab with him. We, we call them sex labs, actually, where yes. we were very geeky, have these uh, labs. And I started to notice patterns. Very jealous of him. That <laughs> who's, who's jealous of him? I said all of his friends are very oh, jealous yes. of him. That his, his partner's job, yes. Okay. He gets roped into all kinds of experiments for good, sure. Good for him. Good for him. Amazing. <laughs> and so, you know, part of it also came out of my own pain because my partner and I weren't having sex. And I'm a sexologist. And I was like, what's wrong? And I'm doing all the like things, you know, strip teasing for him and, you know, coming to bed and initiating sex and, and trying to be sexy for him. And he wasn't interested. And, and, you know, I started to think like something wrong with me, of course, mm -hmm. in that. Well, I, th and and I think that's common. That's usually where people go. Is this wrong? Is there something wrong with me here? Why are they not attracted to me? Or, I mean, that's like a common response, I'd say. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, or are we mismatched? Are we sexually right. incompatible? Mm -hmm. I think that that's a lot of what I see in my practice too. So I set out to figure it out and figure it out for my clients. And out of that came these, these five erotic blueprints. So how how do you work with people? How did you work with yourself in that situation? How do you work with clients there? And what are those five loop? What, what do you call them? The, they're the not five, the five erotic, erotic blueprint types. Oh, the blueprint types, the five blueprint types. Okay. So, and, and so what are those, I guess, or, or share a couple of them. And then I know you have a book, so people will have to buy the book for the rest of them, but I want you to share a couple of them and, and, and how you went about 
you know, figuring them out and how you, I guess, do that work with your clients? Yeah. So I'll share a couple just based on my partner and I. So here we were, I was initiating sex in a certain blueprint. And it's the blueprint that I think most of us think about when we think about sexuality. And that's the sexual blueprint. So that's things like being turned on by intercourse, by nudity, by having an orgasm, by what we think of and I will add, is our limited definition of what sex is. Because mm-hmm. sex mm-hmm. isn't just intercourse. That's the mm-hmm. procreative act and intercourse is one aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But there are many different blueprints. Some of them don't even like penetration. And so, you know, how how are we redefining sex? Because there's also lots of outer course that happens. And there are many, many people who are very satisfied with having lots of outer mm. course. And so this... I think the sexual blueprint in its shadow has this limited definition of sex. And if that's not happening, then it's unsuccessful. The superpower, however, of the sexual blueprint is that you can go from zero to 60 pretty quickly, usually have a higher libido. Sex is easy. It's something that you enjoy and that brings you a lot of satisfaction in life in terms of if I'm having sex, and usually that's intercourse sex, then Mm -hmm. everything is right in the world and my partner loves me. And, and a lot of times sexuals, it's usually 20% of the population when they get stressed, they want to have sex. Hmm. And so they're opposite of all the other blueprints that when they're stressed, they mm-hmm. don't want to have sex. You know, that's about 80% of people. And so I was going to say, I feel like most people I know when they're stressed, they're like not in no way. They yeah. Want, they don't even yeah. want their partner to go near them and touch them and anything. Right. And so I'm the sexual. And so when I get stressed, you're in the 20%. I'm, I'm in that 20%. Makes I want sense why you wanted to be Dr. Ruth. When you <laughs> exactly. Okay. Okay. Exactly. It's, it's all coming together here. All right. <laughs> and so in that, you know, I didn't understand like, well, what's wrong with him? If I'm like saying, Hey, I want to have sex tonight or, or, you know, I'm touching him erotically and he's just not getting turned on mm-hmm. or I'm doing striptease in a G string, like that's supposed to turn him on. And my partner is very much the, like, if he's stressed, he has no libido. Yeah. And he'd come to bed and cuddle with me at night, which is Mm -hmm. a certain blueprint, but he actually is highest in kinky. And the kinky blueprint is someone who's turned on by taboo. It's what we think of as taboo um, for ourselves. So if it's naughty for you, then that could be that you're, you have a lot of kinky in your map. And so- but the shadow side of the kinky is shame. And so he had all this shame about his desires. We were six and a half years into our relationship before I found out that he was kinky. Okay. Because, and, and I'm a sexologist. This is what I do for a living. So imagine how couples out there who right. are trying to navigate this, I can't even well, imagine. Can I, can I, I want to interrupt for a second because I yeah. know there's a lot of people that probably don't, they would not know. I think most people out there don't know their blueprint type, right? They right. don't know that. So do you think he was, he probably, was he aware that he even had that kinky side and he was shamed to tell you, or did he not even necessarily realize that? Like it hadn't kind of come out yet because he hadn't dove into that and looked deeper into what, what he did like. Yeah. He realized that he was kinky, but not to what extent he was kinky. Like he okay. knew like, okay, I, I like to be tied up or, you okay. know, I kind of like these edgier things, but he hadn't really explored it because of the shadow, which is the shame. 
Okay. And so, and then when we started to explore it, cause we discovered this, right. And it's right. like, okay, now I know how to turn them on. I just put some red ropes on the bed and you know, we're off to the races <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. or, I, or I find that we find those bridges between right. our two blueprints. Like for example, a game that we'll play that he really likes is that I, I own him. And that's another dynamic of the kinky. It can either be psychological or it can be sensation-based. And so these power games and these power dynamics. And so like I own him for 24-7 and he has he has to do whatever I say in those in that in that day. And okay. then I can request all the sexual activities that I want in my blueprint, but he has to do them because I'm in the power role. But he's turned on now. So we've bridged both of them by having okay. the power dynamic. Got it. Okay. So a couple comes into you and says, we're not connecting this. Maybe one wants to have sex, one doesn't, or we're just not having good sex, or we're just not emotionally connected. So, and we don't want to, or any of those scenarios, mm -hmm. like, what's the first thing you do? How do you work with people? So I, when I'm, when I'm talking to them, I'm really listening for what's the blueprint, right? The mm -hmm. first step out the gate, because oftentimes it's a, it's a mythology that we're not sexually compatible. It's there's, with sex, because we have such a lack of education, mm -hmm. it's that it's really, we don't know ourselves. And so because we don't know ourselves, there's often this breakdown in relationships sexually, because we don't even know how to communicate what we like in the bedroom, right. Right. what we want. So the first step is I'm listening for who are these people? Is this one a different blueprint than the other? And is that then causing all of the disconnect first? And then once we know the blueprint, then it's about, well, not just what the mind's saying, but now what the body's saying. So mm -hmm. now I'm teaching like a game. One of the ways that we determine our blueprints is through a somatic game where we go through the body with different kinds of touches. It's about a three hour segment. Oh, wow. And um, we go through and we map the whole body erotically. So like what I'm doing right now, people who can't see me is I'm just very lightly with my fingertips rubbing it against my arm, almost like the hairs on my arm, not even okay. like mm -hmm. deep. And that would be like an energetic touch. So we do something like that. That's the first touch. A, that's a touch A. And then we do a totally different touch, maybe more of a sensual massage touch with oil. Right now I'm contouring my arm with right. the skin and the muscles. And that would be touch B which touch does your body prefer? Because the body holds all this truth. Okay. Then we see what the body says and the ahas that happen in that. So many times people get up off the massage table at the end of a session like that. And they say, I've always wanted to be touched like that, but I didn't know how to say it. Right. And now I finally got the touch that I've always wanted. And it like, it like speaks their language of their body. Okay. And you're working with a couple together all the time. It's not like in, you're mm -hmm. not helping each of them individually get to know their bodies. You're doing this all together, right? Yeah. It depends on, you know, sometimes I have singles who come to me, mm -hmm. but with a couple, you know, if anybody hasn't seen the Netflix series, but there's the Netflix series that actually shows me doing this with a couple. Okay. Um, and it's called Sex, Love, and Goop. And so you can watch me kind of like doing this with someone and see how, how I go through the body in this way. Um, but yeah, I have the, you know, whoever's going to go first, we'll get on the massage table and we'll go through and I'll have them touch with different things. And we have toys too. It's like, you know, mm -hmm. sensuals love fur or, um, something scratchy, like a fork. You know, there's so many different creative ways that you can start to play with touch that people, people need to start thinking out of the box when it comes to yeah. sexuality. We get so like stuck and, and, and not creative. And I think that this is creativity will go a very long way. I also think you have to be saving a whole lot of relationships. 
<laughs> and deepening them because no, be, truthfully, because I think when people aren't connected there, that can cause, and if there's already some issues and then people aren't connected there and then there's greater issues and there's more stress and frustration. And, and if people aren't communicating these things to each other and they don't even know what they like themselves and then mm -hmm. further, you know, uh, creates, I guess, more miscommunication or no communication at all. Um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I've got, I've got to think that there's a lot of relationships out there that have failed because they're, they didn't get to do this type of work that you do with people. I mean, I'm sure some uh, may have failed anyway and some may survive anyway, but I'm sure that there are a lot out there that this is like, you really are just, just even the way you were just describing that, it sounds like you're really, like you said, you're bridging the, the, uh, the blueprint types, but you're really bridging people. I mean, you're connecting yeah. people in a, in a way that, they probably, again, maybe suffered with not being connected for a long time because they didn't know how to communicate their needs and desires. So I have to imagine that, again, that relationships really improve because of the work that you do. Yeah, I think that if as long as people are willing right, and they're willing to do the work, you know, I... Well, like I, anything else, you have to actually be vulnerable and do the work. Yes, 100%. And I, you know, I have a lot of people come up to me and say, oh my God, you saved my life. And oh my God, yeah. You know, and that's always really amazing. And I think that there's a lot to be said with when you're ready to go on the journey of sexual awakening and sexual healing and sexual liberation, because ultimately this work really is about freeing ourselves from the conditioning and programming that we've received around sexuality so that we can be free erotic beings. Um, that that work is something that you have to trust inside of yourself. And yes, I can be a guide for that. But so many of my clients are just so brave. They have so right. much. Courage. This is, it can be very scary. And right. they step with so much courage and willingness that that makes the difference in that transformation. Right. Of course. Of course. I mean, I think with all work like this, whether it's therapy or, you know, doing the work that you do with people, yes, the, the, the client has to be vulnerable, has to be willing, has to be brave, has to want to do that work, but you need that guide. So you got to give, and the guide has to be the right guide and the right person to walk you through this journey and, you know, self-growth, whatever type it is. And, but clearly you do a great job as a guide there. So Thank you got to you. give yourself a little more. <laughs> You're really doing a great job there. Uh, just, and so, cause I, I know, I know that you have, you know, healed a lot of people um, and helped them on that journey. So you mentioned, you know, two of those blueprint types, obviously we're not going to, we're not, we don't have time to go through every single one and we want, and people can go buy your book, but I want people to know if they do go and buy your book so they can discover their type do you walk them through exactly like how to figure out their blueprint type? Okay. I want to take a moment to tell you about our podcast sponsor, which I'm a super fan of. In today's fast-paced go, go, go world, it's so easy to get overwhelmed and lose focus, especially when you're trying to accomplish critical tasks that require a sharp mind. If you're looking for a way to support your brain health and stay on top of your game, if you know me at all, you know I'm always looking to do that, well then, you want to know about Cognizant Citicoline. This nutrient helps support brain function and it plays a vital role in nourishing and protecting brain cells. Cognizant Citicoline can help support focus, memory, and attention 
promote cognitive performance and support overall brain health. It's also known for its ability to support brain energy and is backed by numerous studies that show its effectiveness. Whether you're a student, a busy professional, a multitasking parent, or anyone looking to optimize mental clarity and sharpness, adding Cognizant Citicoline to your daily routine can help you achieve those goals and support your brain for the future. It can be found in many different products, including chewables, gummies, beverages, and even cold brew coffee. Visit Cognizant.com for exactly where to find this ingredient, and don't forget to look for Cognizant on the label. Do you walk them through exactly like how to figure out their blueprint type? Okay. I just want to make yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. There, so there's games in the book. And okay. I also have a little section called embody it. Cause this book is about like, not, not just reading it, like do the exercises. Cause that's right. going to take you on the journey. And so there's um, little boxes that are like, you're this blueprint. If that kind of mm-hmm. help you mm-hmm. go through as well as there's some quizzes in the book. We also have an online quiz of people want um, help to know their blueprint type and then all the games, the somatic games to help you uncover what type you are. Amazing. Okay. So some of you out there may be thinking right now, why are we talking about all of this on the Living a Nutritious Life podcast? Well, if you don't know what Nutritious Life is all about, Nutritious Life does encompass these eight pillars. And one of the pillars is love more. And the love more pillar is all about not just sex, but it does involve sex, but it's not just sex. It's about connection and relationships. And and all of the pillars, just as a reminder for everybody out there, all of the pillars work together physiologically and behaviorally. And they, and you know, for example, when you are, we'll just use sex as an example. When you have sex, you release the hormone oxytocin. That's the common connection hormone that actually acts as an antioxidant. It's anti-inflammatory. You reduce stress, you sleep better. So that's just an example of how the love more pillar can connect to even the stress less and the sleep deep pillar. So it all connects. So just for anyone out there that may be wondering, why are we, why are we diving so deep aside from the fact that it's February? Why are we diving deep into the sex talk today? That is why, because... Um, of this connection to the love more pillar. And again, it all goes together with these other pillars. So on that note of the love more pillar, I always think, I think you're going to find this interesting or you might find it interesting, but um, when the, the number, maybe the number one, number one or number two, or one of the high, the most liked posts ever on our Instagram has been the quote of you need four hugs a day for survival, for survival, eight for maintenance and 12 for growth. And I just, I love that. I love that people love that, right? Like I love that, like that's just something that can, that people connect to, but it's so, but there's truth. I mean, there is truth. Absolutely. There. That is truth. That is, there is science there. And a lot of that does connect to what I was just talking about, oxytocin. So let's talk a little bit about oxytocin and the connection to, or how, how to really cultivate meaningful connections that allow you to have that common connection hormone be, be released regularly mm-hmm. in and out of the bedroom. Well, I talk a lot about having your O vitamin every day. don't know what your O vitamin is. Got to get your vitamin O. Um, You know, it's your orgasmic vitamin. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be what we think of in the sexual blueprint again. Here's the nutritionist thinking, the wellness nutritionist person thinking your O vitamin, your oxytocin. (laughs) (laughs) That comes from the orgasmic. Exactly. That comes from your vitamin O. So that's good. (laughs) So a lot of different ways that we can 
get more oxytocin in our bodies, but one of our core brand values is pleasure first. So mm -hmm. how are you even waking up in the morning and bringing pleasure into your life first thing? You know, how are you getting oxytocin? That could be light touch just on your own mm -hmm. body. That could be, you know, there's so many different ways, whispers in your ear that give you more oxytocin. Mm -hmm. You know, one of my things my I loved about my partner when I first met him was when in the middle of sex, he would stop. And he would just whisper things in my ear and I get a big oxytocin burst from, from that, you know, seeing your favorite sports team. Any of you were sports fans, like when they win, you get a huge dump of oxytocin. Okay, there's a lot of people out there right now that would say, yeah, my husband or my partner, whoever, whomever, yep, absolutely gets a lot of oxytocin when he's <laughs> the game. Good time so to initiate sex right after the game, you know, the yep. game. So this, and then, and then the other thing that's really interesting. So there's oxytocin, which is the, that bonding, like you talked about in longevity and it's important in longevity, but there's also all of your sexual hormones. Every time that you are in a pleasurable experience are being initiated and our sex hormones are our youth hormones. So if yeah. our body thinks that it's still procreating, mm -hmm. it's going to keep producing those juicy hormones. One of the things I'll never forget was when I was 19, I, I started studying Tantra mm -hmm. and learning about these Eastern philosophies. And one of the things that they talked about was this piece of longevity. Like you, you will stay youthful and radiant if you keep those sex hormones alive. Yeah. And, and so the, if you're having sex, you're telling your body, Hey, you're young, you're vital, you're full of aliveness. And yeah. Eros is, a, is, life. Like you go to like a place like Costa Rica and there's so much arrows because there's so much life there. So our eroticism is also our life force just from an energetic standpoint. Yeah. That's so interesting. And it's, it's funny again, how all of these things connect, like you said that, so the oxytocin, you know, one, one of those hormones released during sex, like you said, that's keeping you right. That's keeping you young. And I always think like, so if you have sex and then you go to sleep when you're sleeping, your body is using those antioxidants actually at, and, and, and antioxidants, we know fight inflammation, fight aging, fight wrinkles. So it's, it's, and you always talk about like your beauty sleep. So it's like, not only does sex like help relax you reduce and it helps reduce stress. It then helps you sleep. And if you've, and now you have even more of that oxytocin floating around to do its mm -hmm. job to keep you youthful. So it all kind of makes sense the way you're, the way, you know, put it, putting these things together. Right. And boosting immunity too. Right. So we've also got this, this immunity boosting, they did research about like life, life expectancy. And the more orgasms people were having, the longer their life expectancy became because and they also took less sick days because of these uh, boosted immunity that people get. And, and a lot of interesting studies with men, I don't know how they did these studies. I'm always like perplexed about it, but they're like, the men who kept having sex didn't die. <laughs> that's what it says in the study. It's like, right. well, just, okay. yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. That's they're or, or they're at least telling their partners that. <laughs> no, but, there is, but, it, but by the way, the, with those hormones, like I said, those hormones act as antioxidants. And we know antioxidants, again, like I was just saying, they fight inflammation. They help prevent neuronal degeneration. It makes sense. Those hormones are connected to, like you mentioned, immune support, longevity, um, anti-aging, all of those things, because that's what antioxidants do. They're, they're, they're anti-inflammatory and they're help. So they're helping you in numerous ways, but is all of that, like you're mentioning the immune support from sex, the longevity from sex, are you connecting all of that to the oxytocin as well? 
I mean, Oxy I'm connecting those dots, but is that oxytocin, acetylcholine, yep. dopamine? I mean, so all of these neurotransmitters that get boosted. I mean, also mood. And then there's there's also research just about absorbing the fluids from sexuality, like semen, for example, has mood boosters in it. So like there's some really interesting research out there. People go, you know, want to go dig and geek out on some of it just around we'll some of those links in the show notes for those of you who want to <laughs> dig deeper into that for sure. <laughs> you know, just talking to you right now, I'm like, I should be having more orgasms. I mean, I'm already having my daily O vitamin, but it, but it's so true. Like this, <laughs> this piece of health and, and how important that is. And also that when our sexual health starts to wane. So for anybody who's like right now, like, God, the last thing I'm thinking about is sex and my libido's low, or, you know, they're starting to struggle with things like that, which I know can sometimes happen as we, Especially, and especially just sorry to interrupt there, but especially I know, and many people listening to this, I think are middle age and, and midlife and mm -hmm. dealing with perimenopause and menopause, and that can definitely have a shift in your libido. So yeah. Yeah. So if you're, you're one of those people and you're thinking that right now, it's just, so the, the interesting thing is that that then is a marker for your general health. So if your mm -hmm. libido is going down or you're having, your partner's having erectile dysfunction or something like that mm -hmm. is happening, there's that's a, that's a key to like, okay, well, what else is happening? Am I going yeah. through perimenopause? How do I boost my hormones? How do I start boosting my energy levels or working mm -hmm. with you, you know, working with someone like you, you know, to get, get your food in, in a place where that, right. that is and managing your stress and, ex and exercising, which actually I wanted to talk about. That's actually the perfect segue to talk about exercise because I wanted to talk about the connection between exercise and libido and and your health. And I know you talk a lot about that, about how different forms of movement, whether it be yoga or Tantra or um, exercise in, I don't know, maybe there's, maybe there's other forms of exercise that you believe are most beneficial to improving your sex mm -hmm. drive. I don't know, but I, I wanted to talk to you about that, about movement and sex drive. Yeah. I mean, if we stop moving, same thing. It's like we get stagnant, our pelvis gets stagnant, blood flow gets stagnant. So there's a, and I know you can speak to this as well, but when it comes to exercise, I actually, one of the best things are, are squats, flat footed squats, wow. because they're great for your pelvic floor. Okay. And keeping your pelvic floor health up. And, you know, a lot of women suffer with pain, especially again, as we're going through perimenopause, menopause, tissue thinning, things like that. And so the, the flat footed squats and being able to hold those, now start with a little bolster underneath your feet. Most of us can't do flat footed squats because we sit in chairs all day, but to be able to do that will help strengthen your pelvic floor and any kind of pelvic floor workouts. Like I'm big on, there's even apps and devices you can get where you can insert their insertables. And it'll tell you how strong your squeeze is on the app. And oh, then you, wow. can, you can exercise and, you know, keep, um, keep up and keep pumping that up until your, okay. your pelvic floor is stronger. Can we add some of those to the show notes too? You got, you got to share those and we'll, we'll put those in the show notes too. What apps you need to figure out how strong your pelvic floor is. That's pretty fascinating. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. So I, again, I geek out and do labs on these kinds of things to just see. And then you don't just want yeah. strength. You also want. You also want resiliency. You also want the tissue to be resilient tissue, which can also start to change as we're aging. And so how do you make things juicy? How do you keep things plump? Have a self-pleasure practice as part of your exercise. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I highly recommend 
something where you're moving, not just staying still. I think like, oh, sex is a still thing where I just lay there. Well, no, you could sex, yoga can be sexy and a self-pleasure right. practice. And you could do nude yoga if you want, if that like is something that turns you on more, you know, if sex, sexual is your blueprint, how are you adding in some of these elements of your blueprint into some of the exercises that you're doing, you know, in the privacy of your own home in the morning in your pleasure first practice. I like that. So you recommend that for everyone to find pleasure first in the morning. Like that should be part of your morning routine. Yes. First thing before you get out of bed, fuel you, love you, love on you and get your tank full. I think a lot of us operate with low tanks and, you know, we're not rested and we're not putting pleasure first. And then before any, you know, like right before I came on this podcast, I'm like, okay, what's my little pleasure first I can do to get myself you know, jazzed up. So can I do some pelvic floor, you know, kegels and, or could I, you know, give myself a little massage or put on some music? And that's what I was doing. I actually put on music and I was just moving, moving in the sensual blueprint and doing that before I got on to this interview. Oh, I love that. So actually that's a really, I like to give people in this podcast, I like to give them really tangible, actionable things they can do to improve their health, whichever area of health we're talking about the moment immediately, like right away. Like what can you do that's easy and actionable? So I love that you just said that something to kind of get your own, you know, however you just said, you just said it better, but here, can you give us three things that everyone can kind of do to initiate their own, I guess, like you said, loving on themselves a little bit more? Like what are three things that people can do, you know, just to like get themselves a little, like you said, jazzed up right away. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure some people know some of those things, but just some of those things that you might not think of, like you just mentioned here, playing even music. What are another couple they could do? Yeah. So knowing your blueprint, you'll also know which one that you could do. Like sensual is this playing the music, you know, and, and moving to that. But another really quick one is pelvic floor contractions and relaxations, which I also mentioned that I do, um, just squeezing and releasing, but you can also play with, uh, breath with it. So an inhale Mm -hmm. and then squeeze and release while you hold your breath and then inhale and then squeeze and release while you hold your breath really fast. And then inhale again and fill your lungs all the way. Wow. And then squeeze and release, squeeze and release, squeeze and release, then hold the breath, like holding tension in the body actually, and then let it all go. And then that will give you a little, little rush of okay. uh, feel good, feel good hormones, as well as just strengthening the pelvic floor. So that hits uh, two birds with one stone. And then um, the third thing that I would give people, and this is the thing that I say, this is the thing that makes all the difference. If I could teach one thing, this is the thing that I would teach everyone. And that is awareness. We do not we, I, they call it the genital hole in sexology school, the genital hole. We don't put our awareness on our genitals or our pelvic floor throughout the day. So one thing to stay juicy, I, I say, keep your pilot light on all the time. Okay. Don't let your pilot light go out is to keep awareness of what's happening in your pelvic floor right now, right now, as you're listening to this, okay, what's happening? What are you aware of? What sensations are there? Can you tune in to your pelvic floor and if it's pelvic floor is too general, general to you, tune into the head of your clitoris. T- tune in to what's happening at your vaginal opening. Like get a little bit more specific. You know, are you holding your anal sphincter really tight? And how's that affecting your jaw? <laughs> I notice that when my anal sphincter gets tight, my jaw gets tight. So, okay, can I, can I send relaxation to that? And just by putting your awareness on it, energy will flow to that area of the body. Wow. That's fascinating that just by thinking about it, 
you're sort of, you're, you're fueling it. You're, you're mm-hmm. nourishing, you're nourishing your genitals just by thinking about them. Is that right? Absolutely. Wow. Amazing. You are incredible. You are definitely helping so many people out there. I have fully enjoyed this. Everyone needs to go get your book and find out their own blueprint type. Again, we're going to put that information into the show notes. And we're also going to share on the show notes where everyone can find you and link to you everywhere on social and your website and all that good stuff. I have one last question for you. As far as living a new, I think I already know the answer to this one though. (laughs) As I'm asking, I'm like, I know the answer. I think everybody that just listened knows the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. I always ask everyone, what do you do each day to set your nutritious life in motion? Hmm. Well, if I think of nutrition in terms of feeding myself and what can I feed myself with the most, I would say that that's love. And so I have a mantra that I just say every day, which is I am love and I am loved. And the unconditional love for me from me changed my life. And I know that sometimes loving yourself can sound cliche, but it's so true that when I nurture myself with my own love, everybody around me gets nurtured with that love as well. Oh. So beautiful. <laughs> I'm like, that's the perfect way. Not only not only is it the perfect, that's like the perfect thing to hear every day, but it's really especially important to hear today, this week, this month. Um, really so beautiful. You are incredible. Thank you so much for being Thank here. Thank you. Thank you. It was such a pleasure.